Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I would just say to everybody, just really become crystal clear and work on yourself, work on your personal development, figure out what you want to do with your future, and don't let anyone dictate to what they think you should do. Always focus on what you want in life. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is V Koo, and you're now listening to my show, the Real Estate Lab podcast. Hey, how are you doing, my friend? My lab mate, my awesome, awesome lab mate. I hope you are doing well. I hope you are crushing it wherever you are, whatever you're doing right now. I appreciate you tuning in to listen to me in this podcast. Today, I am so, so excited to bring to you one of the most well-known personality in the multi-family space, Mr. Gino Barbro from Jick and Gino. He is an investor, a business owner, and author entrepreneur. He has grown his real estate portfolio to over 1,500 multifamily units, and now he's teaching his students to do the same. Gino and I, we discuss a lot of different things in today's episode, but the most important thing that I want to point out to you is how do you create multiple streams of income so you don't have to rely on just, you know, your, your W-2 job or your current day job whatever it is it could be that you have a business that's doing well how do you bring that business to the next level how do you build another streams of income on top of that now gino and i share exactly how you can do it now gino is the co-author of a book just recently came out it's called the honeybee a business parable about getting unstuck and taking control of your financial futures. Now, this book is a business parable that teaches the value of cultivating multiple streams of income, the surest and most achievable means to create generational wealth. If you want to get a copy of this book, all you have to do is go on Amazon and look for it, or you can go to links.realestatelab.live slash Gino, G-I-N-O. And I have another announcement to let you know a little secret about a project that I'm launching this month. Now, if you are a working professional and you've been listening to my podcast, you've been listening to a lot of other podcasts in the realm of real estate investing, you know for sure this is the path that you want to take to achieve independence from your employer. But you just don't know how or Maybe you are not confident in doing it alone. Hey, join me. I am starting my group coaching program this month, and we will talk about multiple ways that you can buy real estate, and we will focus in on one method that allow you to buy without using much of your money or your credit or even getting a bank involved. If that sounds interesting to you, let me know. Just email me v at realestatelab.live or you can look for me on instagram is vee.khuu all right without further ado 
Let's jump into today's episode with Mr. Gino Barbaro. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lab Podcast. My name is Viku. I'm your host, and I have Gino Barbaro here with us today. Thank you for joining us on the show, Gino. V, thank you for having me on. Let's have some fun today, bro. Exactly. So, Gino, let me ask you this. Out of all of the items at Gino's Trattoria, all the items you made, what was your favorite dish to eat? My favorite dish to eat. So I'm Italian and you would think that it's a pasta dish or I actually like duck, believe it or not. I like a nice roasted duck. If you want to give me duck breast, you want to saute it a little bit, get the duck fat out. You want to deglaze a little bit of balsamic in the saute pan and just drizzle it over the duck. I love duck. Another thing I love to eat, lobster. So duck and lobster are my two favorites, Lee. That, those are my go-tos. Oh, my God. And uh, for the listener, if you want to check out how to cook some of this um, amazing dishes, Gino's, your uh, YouTube still have some of those old videos that you put up there. They're still up there. I think they are at Gino Barbaro. I, I, they, they, should, they might be at that YouTube page. Uh, I had a lot of traction years ago. That was my foray into really trying to build a business and trying to create multiple streams of revenue because the restaurant only had 70 seats. We were doing great, V. It was a lot of fun. I had grown up in the restaurant business. I was doing it for 20 years. I've got six kids. So all of my kids work at the restaurant. The problem with the restaurant is you've got to work on the weekends. You've got to work on the holidays. And I was just missing too many things. And I was trying to transition out of the day-to-day and work you know, uh, you know, in the business, not just in it, but really work on it as far as I wrote a cookbook. I started creating physical products and sourcing products from China, selling cutlery, selling vertical garden bags. And on that YouTube page, I started doing educational videos for students. So I was trying to create that multifaceted strategy in restaurant before I you know, started buying assets and multifamily. So I already had the vision of what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, I had my partner, my brother, who's a partner. He didn't see it that way. He's like, you know what? I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. And I said to him, Mark, you know what? One of these days, I'm going to be leaving here. And no one believed me because that was in my blood. I've been doing it for so many years. I said, I'm leaving here because I'm working harder. This is right after the Great Recession. Working harder, making less. And that's what's going to happen right now. We're back to that Great Recession that we had. The pandemic we have right now, it's sort of the uncertain times. And this is the time when people have to buckle down and work on their personal development and get clear on what they want. And that's what happened to me. I got clear back then. I said, I love what I'm doing. I love this, you know, this business of working on it, the cookbook, the videos. I had my family working with me. And then I said, you know what? I'm not making as much as I should. Let me transition over to something that I can become really good at. And that's how I got into multifamily real estate. And also, I, I just want to ask you real quick. I, I read on your uh, profile or your social media somewhere, you sold that restaurant a few months ago, right? I sold it and closed on February 24th, which is, you know, people are going to say, wow, you're really lucky. It took us a year to sell the restaurant. So it started in February of 2019, February 24th, we did the closing. A month later, everything gets shut down. So, you know, it's unfortunate because I was there for over 20 years. My brother was there for 25 years and it was part of our family. We were, we were really an institution in that little, in that little city, in that little neighborhood, about an hour north of Manhattan. And like I said, I met my wife there. My kids grew up there. I loved it. We served so many customers. We have so many memories there. And it's just one day we just got lucky. We sold it. Now everything's shut down in New York. So we'll see what happens. How do you feel to let a part of your past go like that? Um, it, it's challenging for me in one instance because I just realized for a long time that was my identity. I was the pizza guy. and Jake was the drug rep. 
as part of Jake and Gino. And I always attached my worth to my profession. And for one, it's one reason why I left that, that industry was I just got bored. I wasn't getting challenged anymore. I wasn't helping enough people, or at least I thought I couldn't scale that business. So I went to life coaching school and that's what really helped me out. That's what really gave me the clarity. But for me, helping that transition, um, I left the restaurant uh, in October of 2015. I said to my brother, I need to work on real estate full time during the week. I'll work on the weekend. So for six months, I did that. And in March of 2016, I said, you know what? I need to leave. I need to go into real estate full time. And that was one of the best things that I ever did because I was able to focus on, you know, on real estate full time. But it was hard. And the reason the, one of the ways I got, got away from it is I actually ended up moving from, from New York and I moved to Florida in 2017. So it was a real split for me. And, you know, when I was back in New York and I was still living there and not at the restaurant, I, I felt a little confused. Should I be working at the restaurant? Should I not be? Uh, what's my identity? I, I still didn't identify as that real estate investor. And when I left, it was just a weight off my shoulders. I could start a new path in my life. I could start something new. And I don't have to worry about being that real restaurant guy. Because every time somebody saw me up there, they always identified me with pizza with the restaurant. And now that I'm in Florida, nobody knows that about me. They think that I'm in real estate and that I own Jake and Gino. And when you transition over to real estate, you obviously are really good at doing multifamily now mm -hmm. um, and apartment investing. Why do you feel apartment investing is such a critical field for investors to understand and to pay attention to? So the, when I first started about 15 years ago, I, I bought a fourplex in New York. I, you know, I bought it. I was a, a novice investor and I made all the mistakes that all beginning investors make. I overpaid. I didn't know what a cap rate was. I didn't underwrite the deal. I overspent on fixing the property. My only saving grace was I held the property and I, yeah, I sold that property six months ago in November of 2019 in New York. So over the long term, if you can hold and you can finance it properly, and you cash flow, you can create wealth. It's going to take a long time. But I knew multifamily for me was the right vehicle for a couple of reasons. I was working full time at the restaurant. I couldn't fix and flip. I already had a job. I wanted to buy something where I could scale. I wanted to buy a business. And my idea in the beginning was, let me buy one or two fourplexes a year and I'll just accumulate wealth slowly. And I didn't know anything about syndication. I didn't know anything about refinance and roll. And that was working for me. But when I realized, you know what, this is not the way to go, I can actually invest out of my market and invest in other markets. I was like, wow, that was a shining light for me. And, you know, for me, it took me a little while. I needed to get coached. I spent money on my education. I invested in the education. I went to life coaching school. So for me, the, the whole thing with multifamily, it's really simple. It is a basic human need. Jake and I like to say it's, you know, food, clothing and apartments. That, that's what we need. You cannot buy it on the Internet yet. Right. So if you're looking at big box stores and you're looking at shopping and now you're looking at office with the pandemic and people working from home, I think those two asset classes are going to get hit. Ultimately, there are less people buying homes. There are more people moving and downsizing. The, the workforce is more transient. We have more millennials and baby boomers who are looking to rent. So I think the space itself being that basic human need, being the demographics that are in place, and, and the fact that you know buying a home is a luxury now. It's not the American dream like it was 10 and 15 years ago. I, I think there's an element that you're going to need that affordable housing. And ultimately, the way that the Fed is printing money and all that money that's in the economy right now, it needs to find a place to invest. And ultimately, it's going to find a place like multifamily. And so in your opinion, you, you mentioned something about um, owning a home is not an American dreams anymore. So in your opinion, what's the American dreams now? 
you know, I come across a lot of students, you know, years ago, the American dream, like I've heard, I'm probably sure you've heard a lot of people say, go to college, get a good job, work with an employer your entire life, retire and check out. That's not the American dream today. The American dream today is go to work for somebody, find your passion, get back your financial freedom, which allows you to claim your time. That's what a lot of students, you know, that are working W two jobs, they come to Jake and Gino. Their number one complaint is they want they want really control over their time. They want time freedom. No one ever says to me, "Yeah, I want to work less." They, they just want, they say to me, "I really want to just work when I want to. I want I want that time freedom. I don't want to have a boss make those decisions." I think to me, I've learned that a, that a home is a luxury. I have six kids, so I really don't have the the affordability of renting a home really have to buy the home but my one of my partners who's super wealthy actually told me there's you know you're buying a home you're driving a car you're going on a vacation those are luxuries i mean those are things that you shouldn't be purchasing or spending a lot of money until you have financial stability in place or until you have other investments that can help you with those vehicles you know one of my biggest mistakes as i was growing up and having a family i overspent on building my home i should have invested more in other vehicles i spent money on cars that shouldn't have obviously i learned all those mistakes and one of the things that you know is wrong, I think, with this economy, that people are so overlevered. They're overlevered in their personal life, and they should be overlevered in their business life to help pay for their personal. So I think that's the mind shift right there. But ultimately, I think we all want the American dream is really reclaiming our time and working on something that we love to do and, and giving back, and ultimately, you know, sharing this, sharing the the opportunities that we have and helping others. I think that ultimately, if you ask somebody. Those relationships, those connections, and helping others—I think—is what ultimately the American dream is. That's that's great insight, and that's a common theme. Uh, actually, um, one of your students, uh, Nick Amelluxen, was on the show uh, early on, um, and he came to Denver to one of uh, Adam Adams' event, mm-hmm. and I met uh, so many of your students there. And that was the same thing that everyone was was saying is that they want the freedom and they want to be able to control their life. That's that's what I found. I mean, and and you you attract not what you want but what you are. And and I think I've attracted that from a lot of the Jake and Gino community. I don't need to drive a Ferrari. I don't need to have a big car. I don't need any of that. I just want to be able to provide for my family, spend quality time with them. And to me, financial freedom is working when I want to with who I want to, where I want to, and why I want to. You told me on this on this podcast right now before we got on, do I have a time limit? Do I need to be somewhere? Nope, I don't because I want to be here right now. I want to be present. I want to be serving you and your listeners. And that's what, to me, financial freedom is all about. It's not coming down to Florida. Uh, and I think I thought retiring and hanging out at a beach, that wasn't what it is to me. It might be to somebody else. But to me and to all my students, they just want to get really good at something they want to become financially free and then they want to ultimately start giving back because they know that once you start giving and helping others, whether it's syndicating a deal and creating a return for an investor or whether helping somebody on their journey and the more people they help, the more people they serve, ironically enough, they're going to get paid more. So I think that's where our community lies is just helping others, getting in the game, really educating yourself. It's education times action equals results. If you keep educating and taking that action, you will ultimately achieve those results. That's awesome. And I don't know if you noticed, but um, I like you and and Jake. Everything that you guys say is always coming three. So your um, your kind of motto is the three-legged stool for apartment is buy right, manage right, finance right. Uh, and then you mentioned 
earlier, food, clothing, apartments are the three things that are really important. And um, I just want to mention that to you so you're aware. I, I don't know where this comes from, but I, but I love it. You know, it, it's, it's funny. I, three. I guess we work in three. I mean, three things for your business is people, systems, and culture, right? Those are the three important things when you're scaling a business, people, systems, and culture. And I'll give you two more. My coach, uh, Bill Ham, who works with Jake and Gino, said mm-hmm. the three pillars of real estate, which are the market cycle, the debt, and the exit strategy. How beautiful is that? When you're looking at a deal, take a look at it from that perspective. Everyone asks me, was this a good deal? Well, I said, if you looked at the three pillars of real estate, where you are in the market cycle, what kind of debt you're going to get on the deal, and, and ultimately, what's your exit strategy? And I'll give you one more three. He also called it the SPY technique, S-P-Y. Now, what's a SPY technique? It's a negotiation technique where you're talking about the seller, which is the S. So if you're doing a deal in real estate, everyone thinks about what can I get? What do I want to get? Ultimately, that's not how you do deals in real estate. You need motivation from the seller. So you're looking at the seller. What problems can you solve from the seller? Think about him. Think about asking them the right questions. Then you look at the property. What is wrong with the property? What are the advantages, disadvantages of the property? And then ultimately, the why is you. What can you benefit from this? You are always the last person in any any transaction. You're always trying to solve problems as an entrepreneur, whether you're a business owner, whether you're a father, right? Whether you're an investor, you are always the last person. You're always trying to see what kind of value you can deliver to the other side. That's terrific. I'm talking to Gino Barbaro from Jack and Gino Multifamily Real Estate Education Company that offer coaching, training in real estate, multifamily syndicator, and co-host of Wheelbarrow Profits. Check out his website at jackandgino.com or email hello at jackandgino.com. All right, let me transition to your company. Um, actually, uh, more your podcast and your book. Why did you pick uh, Wheelbarrow Profits to uh, be the name of your book and the name of your podcast? V, that's another good question. Remember the power of three? Wheelbarrow mm-hmm. Profits signifies our proprietary three-step framework. Buy right, manage right, and finance right. And I think the best way that we learn is by having those frameworks, by having those things where we can relate to. And, and, you know, buying multifamily is a business. It's a team sport, but it's ultimately what we call a three-legged stool. So if you look at a wheelbarrow, Jake was out one day cutting the grass. He loves burning trees down, he loves chainsawing. He's cutting the grass and he sees a wheelbarrow there. And he's like, wow, three legs, the two back legs. One is buy right, one is finance right. Once you do the buy right and you've bought a property right, done. Once you've got that financing done, the wheel of the wheelbarrow is in constant motion. So you're constantly acting on the manager portion of it. If you can get those three legs right on the wheelbarrow, you're going to have a pretty stable investment. If one of those legs is off, you're going to have an unstable investment. So that's that's where the name of the podcast came about. And in the beginning, we started just doing the exclusively multifamily podcast with with investors, with people who are investing, syndicators. And now, you know, as we've grown, we've seen that really, like I'd mentioned to you, that that people, systems and culture, talking to other business leaders, talking to others, how they scale a business, because once you get over a certain number of units, you really need to start implementing systems or else it's going to turn into a nightmare because you don't want the business to run you. You want to be able to implement those systems and hire the right people and put them in the right places. So for us, the buy right, manage right, and finance right was crucial in our development and in developing the Jake and Gino community. Right. And also in that, uh, it allows you to build out 
your multiple streams of income, just like your in your core business, like just like when you were running the restaurant, uh, you wrote a you wrote a book and you had classes and cooking shows and and teaching classes in the kitchen of your restaurant. And now with the multifamily space, you have the education, syndication, uh, management, and and um, there could be some other businesses that you are developing right now that that we don't know about yet. Uh, now, why do you think it's such an important thing to do for en any entrepreneur? Well, for me, I think ultimately it was something that, you know, from the restaurant, I forgot about the cooking lessons. It was on Monday night. We would do cooking lessons for about 20 people. We charge $150 a person. It's $3,000, you know, for one night that when you're closed. But not even that. We're building the brand. We'd have a lot of exposure on Facebook. You know, it was fun. We'd get people in, in the kitchen. We'd get them in the kitchen with us. We'd be teaching them and having cooking lessons. And it was fun. The problem was it wasn't scalable. What I wanted to do was I wanted to put a, kit, a couple of cameras in there and live stream it. But once again, like I said, my brother's like, I don't know if we should do that. That would have been awesome. It would have been a lot of fun. You would have content. You could create a monthly continuity product with that. You can create a, a, a con, uh, an account page. But you can do that in any business, right? So for me, um, I, I think you need to be competent in, in whatever business you're in. So for us, we became vertically integrated, which means we buy our properties, we manage our properties, we finance our properties. So we, we do all the core competencies in our business. So when we first started, we had no idea. We, we just, let's buy a property and see how it goes. And, you know, after, you know, a year and a half, we had 200 units. We said, let's start a podcast. You know, sounds like fun. Didn't even know what a podcast was. And let's write a book. That's how we started. You know, the learn, do, and teach. Another three ones, right? You learn what you're doing. You actually go out and do it and take action. And then ultimately, to become a much better investor, you start teaching it to others. Because then all of a sudden, you have that fiduciary responsibility to learn and continue to learn and to grow and know that you're not an expert in anything. You are in the growth mindset. You're constantly learning. And I love that aspect about being an educator. So for us, it was first the property itself. Then we started the property management company because Jake wanted to leave his job. He's like, I'm going to make extra money with the property management. Ultimately, he loves doing that aspect of the business. So he runs the property management. From there, we created Jake and Gino and the podcast and the book. And I do the education day to day. And after a thousand units, we bought a thousand units internally, just me, Jake, and a partner, Mike. We had refinanced all the money out of our first thousand units and kept buying. We said, you know what? It's time to take investors on because we have about, you know, 250 to 300 investors on the database. I can't call them all. We hired somebody else on to head up our syndication company. So there's another layer of the business. And that really is a business all of itself. You have acquisition fees. You have asset management fees. When we invest in these deals as the GP, we put money on the limited partner side also. So we're getting passive income from that aspect. So it's a wonderful business. But for us, we started buying our own deals and we transitioned into syndication. Now, should we have gone into syndication sooner? Probably. Just wasn't ready to do it. And as I said, we were scaling up our portfolio. And for us, it's not just buying units and scaling for the, for the, for the sake of scaling. I really want to buy those units, buy great deals and continue to control that whole process because the property management runs those runs those units. So um, kind of on the backside of that question, I want to ask you is that at what point in a, in a person's business should he or she say, hey, I'm ready to build out another stream of income. Let me just change this over and build something out right now. That's a great question. You know, for every business owner, it, it, it's a lot different. The question for me, I was able to build out this model a lot quicker because I had already, quote unquote, failed from the restaurant. Right. I had already seen what I could do and exploited. I said, you know what? 
I love the education. We should have started a food truck with, with the restaurant. We should have started doing more weddings. So, I mean, there were so many different opportunities out there. I just think everybody needs to open their eyes and, and, and say there's so much there's so much opportunity out there. If you're buying single family homes and you have four or five already, and you've done a pretty good job. Start doing videos. Start doing YouTube channels. Start start maybe a little podcast. Start educating other people on how to do it. All of a sudden, you never know. You might make a little bit of money from that. But if not, you have the credibility. Now you can start syndicating and raising money from others to scale that business, right? So I think once you're comfortable in what you're doing, once you, you have an idea of what you're doing, you're figuring it out. There are always people behind you that want to learn from you. And I think the education aspect is just a great way to uh, you know, to leverage it. I mean, the podcast has done more for us probably to find deals than to close deals. Because when I speak to a broker and I'm looking at deals, I often get, hey, I love your podcast. I, you know, I've read your, both of your books. It just gives us instant credibility because brokers, all they want to know is can you close the deal? So obviously, that's the aspect of it. But, but to start out with, really, before you start thinking about any other layers of, or in, income streams, really get that first one nailed down. For us, it was the investment. We ran the properties really well, but we created that property management company right away because we needed it for it. But then, like I said, 18 months later, we started doing the education piece. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, now, Gina, let me talk about your newest books that you you know you co-authored with Jake, and it came out a few months ago, The Honey Bee. And for the listener, if you want to pick up a copy of this book, available right now and is on sale um, on Amazon, you could go ahead and go to links.realestatelab.live slash Gino. Not only that, you can pick up the honeybee there, you can pick up his first book, The Wheelbarrow Profits there, and also his cookbook there also. All right. So the honeybee, it's a fiction book, but lessons in there are, are real and applicable. So let's share with the audience um, what you talk about. Why did you and Jake write out this book what was the reason behind it so picture this uh, back in 2013 i'm at the restaurant i have three streams of revenue i have the restaurant job i have my fourplex and i have a twenty-five thousand dollar private note that's all i have those are the only streams of revenue that i have and i knew that i needed to make more money i've got six kids i've got a big family i've got a lot of responsibilities Fast forward to today, I have over 23 streams of revenue from all of my properties, from the syndication company, from the from the property management, from the education. And for me, just that those additional streams of revenue, it's almost like if one doesn't produce one month, another one's going to produce. So for me, it's it's almost a diversification model. I'm really good at what I'm doing and I'm able to add on streams of revenue. And that's what I wanted to share with the, you know, the readers out there. It, it was a parable. It was about a drug rep, pharmaceutical rep named Noah. And he was struggling just like Jake, right? Written in parable form. He stumbles upon a beekeeper named Tom one day. His car breaks down. He goes to Tom's and he sees Tom. He's all disheveled. He doesn't think twice about it. But when he pulls into Tom's house, he's like, holy cow, this guy's got a beautiful house. The house is called Tributary Acres, the property, because he's got one big river and all these little streams running into this river, which is the metaphor for complementary streams. They start off as small little streams. They don't seem like anything. But then ultimately, like everything else in life, once you put enough effort into it, they start snowballing and creating this big raging river. And the, you know, the, the the metaphor in the book is really the honeybee. A lot of us out there, myself included, back in 2013, I was the honeybee. The honeybee is programmed to go out there and to make honey, to work nine to five, nine to seven, to get on that rat race, and get on that hamster wheel, and to produce the honey day in, day out. Doesn't ask questions, right? But who owns the wealth? It was Tom 
the beekeeper who was actually the owner of the honey. Now, Tom doesn't get paid day one. It may take the bees a couple of months to produce the honey. But if you have the patience and you're able to go in and you're able to actually reinvest, that's what Tom did. He owned the honey. He owned that stream of revenue. And those that's one of the biggest lessons I think everyone really needs to figure out is you can make a great living working at W-2. But it's a real risky thing because you only have one stream of revenue and that's yourself. So for us, just to start slow and to act like Tom, Tom had already retired. He had multiple streams. And I think the the one one of my favorite thoughts about the book, it was at the very end, is, you know, create once you have these streams of revenue, start to create streams of revenue for a purpose. And that's ultimately what Tom was doing. He was mentoring Noah and he was giving back. And ultimately, that's what we want to do. We want to be able to create these streams enjoy these streams of revenue, grow them, and then ultimately have streams of revenue for a purpose. Who is the intended audience for your books? Who else besides real estate investors should read The Honeybee? I think anybody out there who's got a business. I mean, if you, like I said, if you're a restaurant owner, now's the time to start getting out there, getting a food truck, doing catering, writing a cookbook, doing YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. If you're a single family owner of, a, of, a, of a, doing single family homes, go out there, fix and flip. Buy a couple small rentals. Maybe you go to a uh, title company and start start partnering up with a title company. Maybe an insurance company. Maybe you start doing some loans with private loans or hard lending. There are so many different businesses out there that do it. I mean, if you if let's say you want a gas station, you want to put a car wash in the gas station. You want to start doing car detailing. There's so many different businesses. The the key B is really to have them be complementary. You don't want to go out of your sphere. See what's beautiful about what we do is in our education space, we have students. They can actually invest with us on our syndications and they're learning while they're earning, right? And if and if an investor wants to learn, we can teach them how to learn. And if a student needs to do a mortgage or has, wants to get information on a mortgage, we have a capital company that sources more mortgages so he can learn from that aspect. And the property management every day is implementing new systems, whether it's a tenant turner or virtual leasing, and that helps our education because we can we can teach our students what we're doing with our property management. So always be on the lookout to look for those complementary streams, but they've got to be in the same niche and they really have to be working a symbiotic relationship to help each other out. What would you say is a unique point about your book compared to other books in the same field? Unique. Well, we give lessons there. Right. So one of the one of the one of the unique things is, you know, we always talk about to make it happen. But one of them is, I think. We always think about how, you know, how can I get something done? One of the biggest lessons was who can help, right? And in the, in the book, Noah's trying to scale up his business and he's thinking how, how, how. And then ultimately it was, let me hire a property management company. They will help me out. So that who is really important. And I think a lot of the lessons diving into the book, whether it's how to start saving to buy these assets, whether it's how to start to grow these assets. I think in there, we, we describe a lot of it in the book. And I wanted to share a couple of juicy tips from your book, but not give the book away that, that would really help uh, people immediately. Some, some of the things that you talk about is are creating a budget, having emergency funds, save six months of your income. Uh, could you deep dive into some of those areas to tell us how to start creating your, our streams of income? That, that's a great question. For me, it's all about financial control. First thing I, I love to teach my kids you have to drop the instant gratification. You cannot have instant gratification in this in this type of society today and be successful because there's there's always a shiny object syndrome. Amazon's there, boom, hit the button. You know, and I, I teach all my kids that, and I tell them, you know, where's money? What is money? 
Money is just energy. Money is just a form of payment that's a medium of exchange. It's just something to utilize to get what you need. I think if my kids have that understanding, then the next thing they need to do, really, it's really simple. I mean, these are the, some of the Dave Ramsey principles. I, I believe in his early principles and his simple ones. You need to have an emergency budget. And now, now I'm talking about it during this pandemic. If you've got a few hundred bucks set aside for your emergency budget and you have three to six months of income set aside, when you lose the job, you won't freak out and you won't go into fear mode and you won't go into panic mode because you've got some money set aside. I think that's the most important thing before you go into a business venture, before you start trying to create other streams of revenue. I've seen firsthand that we're well capitalized, that if we have a couple of months where it's lieutenants aren't paying, we have enough funds put aside for us. Once you start doing that, I want everyone out there to start saving at least 10% of your income. And I like to say, put it in what we call a financial freedom account. That money is there to start buying assets. That's what you want to start doing, saving money to buy assets. I don't want people out there, especially people in the Jake and Gino community. I don't want anyone saving for an event. There's no such thing as saving for retirement or saving for college. You want to actually buy an asset to pay for that event. Because what the problem with saving for an event, once you put $50,000 in the bank and your daughter or your son goes to college, that saving is gone. But if you own a property, that property is still there after that person has graduated college and you can pay for the next one because you're living off the cash flow. So that's the difference between the middle class mindset and the rich person's mindset. One is saving for the event. One is saving to buy an asset to pay for the event and continue to buy that, to buy assets for those events. And just to clarify, the, the 10% that you talk about putting aside, you don't mean to put it in a 401k with your employer. You actually want to put it somewhere you can take the money out and invest. Well, we could speak hours and hours about 401ks. To me, I had a 401k for years. I stopped it. I actually blew it up, pulled the money out, paid the 10% penalty and uh, put it in a deal. I had cost segregation, so I didn't pay any federal taxes when I did that. So I only paid a 10% penalty. But for me, the problem with the 401k, there's a couple of problems. You know, as Garrett Gunderson says in his, in his book, Killing Sacred Cows, awesome book. The problem with them is you're going to business with the government. The government can change the rules at any time. Right. That's the first thing. The second thing is the opportunity cost. If you're 28 years old and you're putting money into a 401k, you can't theoretically touch it till you're 59 and a half without getting penalized. The opportunity cost is you're losing the ability to utilize that money today. The third thing is the, the fees that they charge on them. And number four is the, you know, the, the amount of different options you have. You don't have any. So when you're an investor, you're looking for leverage, liquidity and control. There's another three. You want leverage on your assets. You can't leverage anything in a 401k. You want liquidity. There's no liquidity in a 401k. You can't pull it out until you're a certain age. And there's no control because normally it's stuck in there. And you only have a few options, whether it's mutual funds or for some stocks and bonds. So for me, the 401k is a complete waste of time. And it's not controlled. It's a lower level of intelligence. You're giving your money over to somebody else and they're doing it for you. And you're not getting any kind of return and you have no opportunity costs. So when a deal comes to you, you don't have the money because it's stuck in a 401k. Yeah. And just on top of that, one of my mentors always told me, no one care about your money more than yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> by giving your money away to um, another institution, you really, they just want to get the fee. They, they will make money regardless uh, if you make money or not. The biggest scam in the, in the world perpetuated by financial planners is dollar cost averaging. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life as, as I get older. All they want you to do is to bring in a certain amount of money every month in dollar cost average. That makes no sense to me, whatever. You have no skill. It's low level of intelligence. You're just buying out and averaging it. And all the financial institutions want you to believe that because you're sending them money every single month. So I would revisit that strategy and say, you know what? Not feeling too good about that strategy. 
Exactly. Now, we are now in a recession due to the pandemic, COVID-19. You talk about the trap in your book. Now, um, don't you think, should, shouldn't people now realize that their W-2 is not safe, the trap is, is gone? You know, I, I've been trying to say that to everyone, you know, for the last 10 years, even for myself. I, we get comfortable. We have a W-2 job. For me, everyone is always saying to me for the last three or four years, is, is real estate, is multifamily the right time? Is it the right time to get into it right now? And I always told them it's the right time when you're ready. I wasn't ready back in 2007, 2008 for multifamily. I needed my own pain. And when I got into it, everyone says, oh, back in 2013, it was great. There was a lot of deals. Yeah, but back then, there was no money. No one was syndicating deals, and the financing was a little bit more difficult. Fast forward to today, we were back at that situation. The last year and a half, two years, there were no deals. Now we have deals, but the financing is a little bit more difficult. So for a W-2 job, I, I think there's, you know, the, the American dream, as we had said previously, was, you know, you have an employer and you're with that employer for your whole life. Right now, there is no fiduciary. There's no trust between an employer and an employee. So the employee is always looking for the best deal and the employer is always out there trying to exploit or trying to get the most out of that employee. And there's no, you have no, you know, uh, guarantees of long-term employment. So the employees are out there and they're trying to get the best job. And now that you see it, with you know, you have with innovation, with technology, with outsourcing jobs overseas, W two jobs are are getting cut, and they're, they're like I like myself working longer and getting paid less, and then ultimately the W two get gets taxed at the highest rate. It's just that's just the way the system is rigged, and that's just the way they they they've set it up because they know that entrepreneurs, the ones who create the jobs, the ones who stimulate the behavior and stimulate the economy, those are the ones who get the better tax breaks. Now, your book wouldn't be complete if you didn't write about some of the mistakes that you did. Um, in the book, you call them the stings, right? Yes. What are some of the most profound lessons either in your own life or in, in the book and the real estate business thus far that you have learned? V, we could probably spend six hours talking about that. <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> I'll put it down and, and give, you, give you sort of a condensed version. But this is really important because for me, on my first real estate deal, I did a mobile home park. I always tell people I got into a partnership that was not good. But ultimately, I think everyone who's successful in life understand that it, it, it's their responsibility to do due diligence. And due diligence, I didn't know what those words were in finance. For me, I really take the education aspect seriously. I wasn't educated. I didn't know what a market was. I didn't know what a cap rate was. I didn't know how to analyze the deal. I didn't even get on the plane and go look at the property. So that was laziness on my part. That's almost like someone giving their money to a financial planner and saying, invest in a few mutual funds. That's exactly what I did. So I didn't take control. I wasn't responsible for my actions. And then ultimately, I wasn't educated. So for me, once I became serious about multifamily and I chose it as a niche and I said, I like this. I want to create the passive income. I want to learn about it. I went in full force. I, I really invested in my education. I spent a lot of time with a couple of different mentors. And I started doing it. I think, you know, you need that action. You need the education and you need the action. And I think the other thing is just surround yourself with like-minded people. I mean, I tell the story a lot. My mom was always down after that mobile home park. She was always complaining how we'd lost money. And then I said to her, I'm going to go do apartments. And she looked at me and she says, you know what? That's risky. I said, mom, I know it's risky, but if we're still at the restaurant, That'd be risky too, and you know, look fast forward to today. If I had the restaurant, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a job right now. So, uh, we had purchased about 200 units, and I had not told her that I had any units in in Tennessee. And once I knew I was ready to leave the restaurant, I sprung the news on her. 
completely surprised her. And I said, you didn't know? I've been working at the restaurant, you know, during lunchtime, doing all these calls. What did you think I was doing? I, I hid it pretty well from her. But, you know, the moral of the story is find people who are really crushing it. Find people who are really successful. Find people who are like-minded, who will champion you and who will push you. Find an accountability partner, a partner who's going to be there. So when you have a rough time, he's going to push you or she's going to push you and tell you, listen, it's time to get work and put in the work. I mean, there's no such thing as a four-hour work week. You know, working hard is not a bad thing. Having a growth mindset, always working on yourself and trying to be better and trying to add value are some of the things that, you know, I really want to promote right now. That's what I did when I first started out. And I'm curious if you don't mind... Could you share just a ballpark figure of how much money you've poured into your self-education thus far? Of course. Um, over the last year, I'd say Jake and I spent about $300,000 on the business. We spent it on a consultant. Uh, we spent it on scaling up coaching with uh, with, uh, with with Petra. We've used Petra coaches to scale up with our business because we needed to scale up our business. We need to set up quarterly priorities. We need to set up our core values, our mission statement. We didn't have any of that. We started working on net promoter scores and really bringing the business to another level and systemizing it. I, we never did that before, right? So I practice what I preach. If I don't know how to do it, I need to find somebody out there. And that investment was well worth it. Um, other, other, other coaching tips, speaking i've had a speaking coach to help me out with the speaking engagements a little bit um and obviously just continuing to buy other products and learning the process and as far as books and amazon go i probably spent a couple thousand dollars a year on books easily that's um that's really amazing to to hear because here we are you have an amazing like amazingly successful coaching business but you are telling me hey my system is not there i'm not perfect i just teach people what I know. And thinking back to your, even your restaurants, they, you didn't have it all figured out, but you're like, I know it's the right direction. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to test it out. I'll perfect it later. V, um, got, this, got, is, this is amazing. Yeah. I've got a secret for everybody out there. V. The secret is we're all winging it. No one knows, right? We're all out there. I think the people who are super successful are the ones who have clarity in what they want to do. Really, I, I just, this is what I'm, I'm burning desire. I want to do this. Then they figure out how to do it. They commit to it. They don't go off that shiny object syndrome and go somewhere else. They continue to fail, but they know what the vision is, right? And then they just continue to learn, take those baby steps and reinvest in themselves and learn more. I will never know more than 50% of what I want because when I get to a certain spot, I'm not satisfied. I want to learn more. I want to get better at what I'm doing. And I think that's how you become successful in life. Not not being comfortable in what you're doing, but pushing yourself and becoming better. And then obviously, as you do that and you keep doing podcasts and you keep doing shows, you, you meet more people and you listen to different perspectives. And that's how I become successful. But if you look at all the people that are successful out there, there are very few people successful out there that haven't had mentors or haven't invested in their education or haven't had somebody out there helping them. It's really hard. And, and ultimately, it's lonely. I love my partnerships. I love to work with the partners. It helps me out. It gives me a different perspective. And I think everybody out there, that's what they should do. They should be out there looking for other successful people to work with. What do you say to those people who um, are, are anti-coaching, anti-mentoring, and learn online? Because ultimately, what, what we are talking about in all these podcasts are available uh, for free. And you can also go to... Uh, say bigger pockets and and you can read all about it there and i know you are really really active on that forum as well so v for me the, the bottom line is the accountability so i have coaches 
And I always look at people who are successful. Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, they all have coaches, whether it's a life coach, fitness coach, health coach, wealth coach, nutrition coach, whatever it is, they all have it. So how are they so successful? Because that's part of their regimen. For me, when you go out and get something free, what do you value that at? No. Not much. But when you're spending money and taking somebody's advice and they're telling you to do something, you are more likely to do that because you have a vested interest in it. You can go everywhere and grab free advice. First of all, you're not even sure if the person is, is actually teaching proper, right? That's the first thing. The second thing is, do you like that person? Do you connect with that person? If you don't, are you really going to take action from it? And the third thing is, it's the accountability piece. I can learn a little bit here and a little bit there, but there's no routine. There's no rhyme. There's no rhythm. There's no framework. You can get a little piece, a little piece here and a little piece there. But if you spend money in your education and you learn one or two golden nuggets from that person, you'll, it'll pay for your education a hundred times over. I, I will, I will promise you that. I will guarantee that free is good, but are you going to act on free? Can you trust free? That's the bottom line for me. That's terrific. Let me transition over to answer some some few questions about you personally. Um, could you share with us what's your biggest regret? Uh, my biggest regret was not getting into real estate sooner. And my biggest regret was that and, and just staying in that comfort zone and blaming my brother and my father for saying, you know what, I'm blaming you guys because I can't do something else. So for me, that regret and not doing it sooner. That's why when I went into it, I went full force. I said, I'm going to do this. And I was blessed to have a great wife, great kids that allowed me to really focus on, on what I was doing. But for me, not getting into it sooner and not knowing what I wanted sooner. What's your biggest challenge right now? My biggest challenge right now is, is the current environment. I, you know, right now, I just see everybody out there and I see a lot of people judging others and hating and not knowing what's true and what isn't true. For me, getting past this current climate, and I'm lucky because I'm with Jake all the time. I'm with my team. So I'm actually creating a lot of content. I'm really engaged. But I just feel sorry for a lot of people out there who are stuck in their homes and not getting out and not being able to really do what they want in life right now. I just I can't wait to get past this pandemic. And I can't wait till the economy starts working again for a lot of people out there. I'll ultimately be okay. But I'm just worried for a lot of people out there that are just stuck in their day-to-day -day routines and don't have friends or partners out there they can reach out to and you know spend some quality time with yeah definitely um where do you see is kind of like the biggest opportunities in apartment investing that we need to pay attention to right now so for me i've seen the you know 50s 60s and 70s build that that capex you know requirement you know one of our coaches bill talks about he, he talks about the capex tsunami there may be a problem with those properties as they're getting older there may be a lot of capex as far as old plumbing old roofs old driveways that need to be replaced right now. And as the market's going down, putting substantial capex into a property may be a little risky. So for us, we're looking at the newer builds, the 80s, the 90s. We like the brick builds. We like the newer assets. And we're looking always at markets that have population growth, that have some kind of jobs. The risk is being in a Rust Belt market right now where there's no jobs, the population is declining, and you only have a couple of employers. I don't mind paying a lower cap rate for a property because I know in those markets, you have a better shot of collecting the cash flows going forward than in a market that's losing jobs and losing population. And so besides your books, right, what's another book title that you've given out the most to people? Oh, there's, I, I can give you a couple. Right now, I'm reading the book Relentless. I think it's great. I'm only pages into it. It's, it's great. Um, I am reading, uh, just finished reading Customer Service Revolution by John DeJulius. 
I love that book. We just we just finished reading also um, Never Lose a Customer by Joey Coleman. Those are two really customer service books. Another book that I recommend everyone to read is Atomic Habits by James Clear. It's just a fantastic book on setting goals, creating powerful habits. Uh, the list goes on and on. One more. People got to read the book, the book Mindset. Right now, you have to read the book Mindset because if you have a fixed mindset and you're blaming the pandemic and you're blaming the economy and you're blaming your employer, you have a fixed mindset. You need to have a growth mindset. You need to really embrace the challenge and learn how to grow and work hard. So Mindset by Carol Dweck is an awesome book. That's terrific. One last question before I let you go. What's one thing that you know is right, but almost no one agree with you on? Hmm. I think homeschooling is right. We homeschool our six kids. So for me, I love homeschooling. And, and education is not about memorizing and it's not about taking a test. It's about learning. It's about reading. And when you get into college, you gravitate towards your passion and you learn what to do. It's not about who's the smartest person. It's about the person who works the hardest. Terrific. Again, thank you so much for sharing your insight with us here today, Gino. And thank you for listening to the show, all the real estate investors out there who listen to the show and this excellent interview. I'm your host, VQ. I would like to invite you to check out jackandgino.com. Also, check out The Honeybee, Will Barrel Profits. You can buy all of the books on Amazon. You can check out Gino's books, including his cookbooks at links.realestatelab.live slash Gino, G-I-N-O. Now, Gino, do you have any last words with the listener? And also, could you share with us where do you hang out online? How do we connect with you? Just go to jakeandgino.com. Uh, that's our website. You can go to jakeandgino.com forward slash honeybee. There's some more resources there. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I, I'm on LinkedIn at, J, at Gino Barbaro. And, you know, any last words for me? Any parting words. Any parting words for me? I would just say to everybody, just really become crystal clear and work on yourself. Work on your personal development. Figure out what you want to do with your future. And don't let anyone dictate to what they think you should do. Always focus on what you want in life. Terrific. Thank you so much, Gino. You're welcome, V. Everybody, have a great day. And thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five-stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.